Welcome to the Goracom podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Deck, Productual Gorecom, in which we go through a company's PowerPoint presentation to help shareholders get an overall story of what's happened with the company. With us today, you can see him on the screen, Bernard Turion, CEO of HPQ Silicon Resources, trades in Canada under HPQ, and for our friends in the US under HPQFF. For those new to the story, very quick but very powerful summary. The company's a Canadian producer uh, that's building a portfolio of unique, high-value, special silicon products needed for the coming renewable energy revolution. Uh, more than just lip service, they received their first order for spherical nanosilicon material from a major automobile manufacturer. They signed an NDA and received a request for four end silicon material samples from a world-leading high-performance materials company. And they've got an NDA with at least two battery players, if not more. And the timing couldn't be more perfect because the silicon market is in a supply deficit. Prices are soaring and the company is about to come online uh, in 2022. Bernard, welcome, my friend. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, let's go through this deck. But before we do, I want to ask you, with the QRR so close, mm -hmm. why the new deck? Who is this for? Well, actually, it's, you know, I, I always plan to, to be more active and, you know, even more active on uh, marketing the story as the QRR came into play. So it was there. And I think, I think there was a need for people. I, I think I felt a need to explain to my investors, okay, this is where you are. This is what HPQ is because I... I guess for a lot of new investors, like HPQ seems to be like many things that doesn't, if you look quickly and you just like act superficially, you'll get a feeling that, that we don't know where we're going. We have many things going well. Well, the reality is we know exactly where we're going, where we're moving, where we are. And so I sort of wanted a deck that basically reflect that. And it, it's a very succinct deck that's designed for institutional investors and more people I'm going to be starting to talk to. And do you have some institutional, like, do you, do you have? Yes. Uh, yes. End of March, 31st of March, I'll issue press release pretty soon. There's a, there's a conference organized where Quebec based, um, basically battery material companies and battery technology companies, which were where we fit in, uh, will be presenting to us investors. And uh, I'm one of the, I think 15 or 20 companies that, that we're invited to go there. All right, that's great. Let's let's get to the deck. And by the way, uh, we've seen multiple iterations of your decks over the years, uh, and this is by far the best one. I love it. So uh, why don't you why don't you take it out for a spin? Yeah, no, that, that's actually very very good for me because it, you know as I start to do it, I have to go out and spin. That's how you know the the, the deck works when, when you try it out. So it's basically and here we go. We're spinning it. Um, I think the introduction explains in which space we are. We're in the clean energy transition where a company is developing technology for um, the clean energy tra transition and our focus is more on silicone. Um, one of the reasons why we're doing this is basically net zero investment. And that was prior to whatever happened in Ukraine, the, the entire insanity. Um, net zero investment, we're going to reach $6 trillion a year. So there's going to be massive investment. The reason why there is massive investment is there's going to be there's going to be massive demand and there's no capacity right now to make the material. Uh, so what we do is we de we're developing new processes, more than one, to make the critical element necessary to reach net zero, more specifically related to silicone and silica. But that's really what the company's philosophy is. Um, we're really ready to become the lowest cost producer of silicone nanomaterials because silicone nanomaterials are, are, are in demand. Demand is going to be expanding. There's not really that much um, basically capacity is going to be able to meet the demand as we move forward. I'll explain that further in the presentation, but that's really yep. what it is. So a spherical silicon nanopatterns and nanowire is going to be for the batteries. Um, like from the, from the get-go, um, our material is generating multiple NDAs. And what's sort of funny, I think it just last week, uh, we signed one and we started discussion on two others. So... And I'm that's have what's to make so it... critical because there are a lot of guys pretending to be in the silicon space, but well, you no, guys they... aren't just talking the talk. 
Yeah, but what's what's well, something that's very interesting is that there's a lot of people in the silicone anode space, okay? And that's literally very easy for do. You know, they can start to buying the material on Alibaba and they get enough to start doing the material. No, but that's literally what it is. I was having a discussion with, with, with one guy last week. But at one point, yeah, oh, wait a minute. I need to get a regular, consistent supply. Alibaba, you know, you supply one day because the supply they're looking for is three to four end material for battery space. And it doesn't come. It's either offshoot of the solar industries and, and those situations. So at one point, as you go toward commercialization of, uh, of the processes, I'm talking the battery processes, you need a, pro, you need a feedstock that's going to be steady, stable, and coming in. You can't change you know, everywhere. That's where really where we fit in. So, and that's why we're getting advanced approach right now, even before we finalize all the R&D, because people are realizing that we're working on addressing those, su those subjects. So that brought us the, the first uh, orders basically from a car manufacturer as we were on spec. Um, and what's really interesting is we're, we're really discovering that there is a niche up to four end material, really a niche market that's gonna be very, very interesting. We mentioned silicon nitrate, but there's other products in the battery space and outside of the battery space, which that's gonna be coming. So this is really what we're coming into and we're supported by you know world-class technology partner. Our business philosophies for those that don't know us, okay, because there's some of us that do know us, is that HPQ from the start chose not to build a big internal R&D team with a lot of white coats people coming around. What we decided to do is outsource our R&D with a world-class technology partner, which is Pyrogenesis. So the deal is finance 100% of the R&D for 90% of the revenue stream, but we think we're a much bigger winner because a Pyrogenesis uh, have a, a world-class knowledge. They don't waste that world-class knowledge on any type of crazy project. They have to be able to see the project to go from basically um, beginning all the way to commercialization. And that's where the that's where project get killed because when you start at lab resort, lab scale, it's easy to do. Once you start moving to, to, to small pilot plant, they're relatively easy to do. Once you start moving to commercial size pilot plant and commercial equipment, that's the difficult part. The advantage of working with Pyro is we can start from the beginning all the way to the end to the commercial stage, and we will both be you know uh, reaching the uh, the value of this. So that was a philosophical choice from the beginning, and I think it's the right one because a lot of small technology companies, their shareholders end up having to pay for your R&D lessons. So now this way, we're able to have a much more profound R&D team that we, we can never afford as we were and starting this project. And I assume also, Bernard, when you're talking to big uh, potential customers or partners, or the case may be, them seeing Pyrogenesis as a technology partner is just adds that much more validation and that much more comfort and confidence on the, to the other side. It, it does, but at the end of the product you do, what, what, where it becomes more important is, is they start to realize that, okay, you know, there is, there is some scientific background and, I, and we know what we're talking about. So now that we've done this, we can go to this typical disclaimer, blah, blah, blah. Pretty soon, this is going to go away where I start talking about, you know, my resource, the fact that I, you know, we're not going to mine anything, <laughs> just newsflash. But the, so the change of business is advancing well, the, that document is advancing well. So why invest in HPQ? Well, we're basically developing new technologies and product for a greener future. Hey, good place to be. Uh, we have silicone initiative. Um, so we're developing a strategic silicone solution with proprietary low-cost transformation process. What's interesting is I'm now starting getting calls from people says, oh, we have quartz deposit. And, you know, and I basically tell them, you know, we've done it for our own internally. Oh, well, I can call Pyrogenesis and, you know, they're going to sell me the technology. It says, no, we own the technology. Very it's related, if it relates to the space of silicone. So that technology was developed for us, for our internal needs, and, and you know, it'll, grow, it'll grow internally through our process. So you can't, you can't use our technology without going through us. Uh, so what we, we're looking for is transforming silica, which is an abundant material, but very cheap, into multiple high value materials, you know, for batteries, for, for silicon nitrate and more. Uh, so as I say, technology is there. We also have a fume silica initiative, which is another project. It's another proprietary low cost green transformation for another material has a big market. So that's really what we look for. We look for sort of like game changing technology or basically bringing a, um, a, a paradigm shift in how the materials are made. 
bringing forward. This is another technology where I get a, I've got a lot of interest from people, for, from big players in the industry that are curious about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and what's interestingly is we leave ourselves open. We're actually, you know, we're not like closed-minded. So basically we think our technologies can support other verticalities, mm -hmm. such as hydro green hydrogen processing. Um, we have measured an achievable three years growth plan. We've now reached that plan where we can start to have really serious growth plan toward how we're going to commercialize the technology. When you start from an R&D idea in the beginning to bring it to where we are now, now we're in a place where we can start to foresee commercialization. That's really where the fun part is about. That's in great news. Yeah, in, in a certain way, if you, if you look at it, because I come out of the mining business or customer non-revenue businesses and how it works, the value, the, the value for shareholders is, is, the upswing of value to shareholders is always when you develop the deposit, okay? Same thing for us when you develop the technology. Once you start, you know, basically commercializing it, it sort of becomes a, you know, plug it into an Excel spreadsheet and then you figure out what should be the value of the company. At this moment, the, value, the potential of the value of the company is the blue sky to all the technologies. So what we're trying to do at HPQ is have more than one of those verticalities in line because they're never going to be all at the same time. So our most advanced one's a QRR, then is our nanoreactor, well, then is our fume silica and a nanoreactor in terms of technology. And then there's a hydrogen side also coming along. So that's really what it is. You have an experienced team, uh, management and board. Uh, we're supported by, by the technology partner Pyrogenesis, as I've explained it clearly. Plus, we also have strong institutional support. You know, we have we, we have the Quebec government in EQ as a large shareholder, you know, below 10%, but still in, 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 it's an interesting partnership to have. And we don't talk, we've, obviously we've talked about that in the past, but we really haven't emphasized how important that is to HBQ's stability. And, and growth going for and you know the foundation for growth going forward. Well, it's it, it's a question of mix and match. In, in a certain way, Quebec and I think Canada also wants to become a center pool for the battery technology and, and those material. And HPQ with a silicone initiative, I think, is very well positioned in that area. And eventually, if we do develop an interesting hydrogen technology, uh, we're also very very well positioned for that. So let's just go back now. We get an idea what the silicone market is. Okay, I talked about the battery and everything else, but it's that's not the only market there is. There's much more to this. And so this is a serious business, serious big. That is, uh, I think, just on that size of the market would be an extremely game-changing. HPQ would be extremely exciting as a game-changing technology. So, for people that don't know, silicone or silicone metal, depending how you call it, um, is a semiconductor material. It's the second most abundant element in the Earth's crust, okay? But like all other energy metal, lithium, graphite, it does not exist in a pure state. So you need to transform it. You need to extract it from the raw material. The EU, and I just saw somewhere that Australia also declared silicone a critical raw material. Uh, it has a wide range of modern application. Silicone is one of those materials that everybody uses in their daily life that doesn't know it. Without it, we, a lot of our technologies would not work without it. But it, it's not known because I always call it the sandwich material. You know, you need it to make other things great. Um, uh, so because it's a sandwich material, the ESG manufacturing, okay, is going to become more and more important, especially now in this, in this crazy new world that we're in. Um, prior to what happened in, in Ukraine, it was diverted. You wanted to have traceability in your material just for the green concept. Now you want to make sure that, that you know, um, you will also want traceability of your material with regard to where it's made for, for a lot of other reasons. So the ESG is going to become crucial. Um, interestingly, to extract it commercially from to extract commercially from quartz, the SI, the, the SI, it's an expensive carbothermic process that was first invented in 1899. It's still used. So the, the general concept is still the same. You know, they tweak everything else, but big multinational companies. When they have a system that works, it will take a massive change to get them to rethink what they're doing. They will tweak with their system, but they won't change it because they know how it works and everything else. But we so used an example one time, Bernard, where you guys are almost appleizing, for lack of a you know better term, the yeah this market where before Apple came along, we all just had these big gray boxes underneath our desks or on top of our desks. And that oh, it's, it's, it's actually, 
if we go back to that thing, it goes back to a time when the mainframe, the big VAX computer, you know, shows our age when we went to the, the university and we had to use one of those big you know, computer thing system. And now on our phone, we have that capacity. So this, this is the type of change we're bringing about to manufacturing. Um, and so, so that's really what's exciting. And the, and the key point, the key, key point for people to understand is even though the first process has been invented, depending on the final application, either solar, electronics, batteries, you need chemical grade, 99.5 must either be purified or used. And, and I'll become more clear as we move forward. So we find ourselves in a situation where silicone demand is gonna reach about 3.8 million tons. That's what the MT stands for, million tons. Um, no, 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 my error. When I use MT, it stands for metric tons. Okay, I don't think too many people know that the, because of the English in the way, if you write ton, T-O-N, it's the English ton. If it's T-O-N-N-E, it's the metric ton. So just, you know, useless information. I felt like I, I'll give, I, I give now. <laughs> so, but that's going to be worth $10 billion. That's just a raw material that's been used for aluminum. But the key point is that the bulk of that growth, what's, what's pushing the silicone market to grow, okay, is demand for chemical grade, 99.5, okay? We reach a position where new plants will need to be built to meet the demand. One, traditional process to make silicone, okay? Have an obstacle, access to process know-how. What does that mean? Well, there's about four companies in, outside of China that are doing silicone. They haven't done any R&D. They're all old foggy technology company. Okay, so nobody has the process knowledge. Basically, it's it's as if you know these guys have the book, and the knowledge doesn't come along. And also, there's going to be high demand, but all the low hanging fruit have been picked, and alternative from China can't come because what people don't realize is, well, in China there's a few big producers. The bulk of the silicone producer are small producers. So what they're doing in China, they're just going for their own vertical integration all the way to solar, but they can't really deliver all over the cost of electricity and those issues. So there is going to be a massive demand for new silicone plant. And that's where that's another incredible advantage HPQ has. Just, because, just to clarify that last point. So China, yeah. you're saying them as an alternative is limited. They're yes. maxed out, is what you're trying to say right now? They're, they're sort of maxed out, or they're struck. They're going to need to, they keep reorganizing themselves because they're going to try to do it. And also, they're not really the lowest cost producer anymore. They're not going to be the lowest cost producer. It's not easy. Like uh, when they have, when they don't have any water, they, they have to use a lot of coal to get the energy because making silicone, transform, extracting quartz from silicone requires a lot of energy. And now we're living in the ESG world where your carbon con content of your material plays into it. It's, 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 so all these issues are, are, are going to play on the, on the long term of the market. All those silicone challenges I talked about are HPQ opportunities. Okay, The market is right. Like It took us. Us, you know, times to go here and people complaining, we've mentioned many times our pilot plant would start, but the truth of the matter is, thank God our pilot plant starting now, not two years before. Because the market is much more receptive to what we're doing now than it was then. Two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, when we started, we were really like ahead of the curve in the sense of our thinking. Okay. Uh, now the curve is starting to wake up to what we thought about five years ago. And it's going to be very hard for them to catch up, A, because we have our own proprietary technology. And as I said, there, there's so many barriers to entries in, in, into doing it. Um, so we're playing with those disruptive technology. Our first really, really big disruptive technology is the one that's going to come online very soon. It's a QRR. It's an incredible ability. It's a low-cost process to make 4N silicone. And I'll explain the importance of that material as we move forward, but it's really important. So it's a new low capex, opex, and carbon footprint process to make 4N in one step. Um, we own the patent to it. Anyway, the US and we have applications all over the world that are you know, moving forward. Um, by developing this, what HPQ has been able to do is we've, we've internally developed through our partner, Pyrogenesis, 
a very strong silicon process know-how. Also, by being such a, a, a forward-thinking silicon, uh, uh, developing silicon technologies, we, we've gotten basically a good bank of very knowledgeable people in the silicon industries that we have access to to discuss, advance how we do. So we, that silicon know-how is within, with us. Um, commercial validation is starting at the end of this quarter. Um, and basically what we're And what does that mean, Bernard, if you could just expand that a little bit? means that we'll be starting to turn on the machine. Okay. So we, you know, I'll explain it more a bit, a bit when we show before, but the machine will be turned on and then we will start to, we will start to produce material. Okay. At that moment, we will also get all the raw data. There's a lot of things that are hypothetical, and then we'll get the real raw data. What's that raw data is important for me is to make the financial modeling required to say, okay, this is how we're going to go to commercial scale. So this is why we're saying we're starting commercialization because, you know, the, the product we do is going to be relatively easy. You know, we come in, we send it, we send the material to be analyzed, it has four impurity, we're ecstatic, it has five impurity, we're in heaven, we have six and we're going to be dancing on, on tables. But we don't know what's the exit. Four and we feel very comfortable we're going to do, we could do better. We don't know. We So this is all these issues going to start answering. It's going to be like, I won't, I won't give that much wishy-washy because I'll have the scientific proof. At this moment, we know the system works. We know that the technology works, okay? We just have to prove it at a bigger scale. We have to scale it up to a level that's close enough to industrial and the next scaling up is not gonna be as big as the scaling up we're doing now. So, does that answer your question? Yep, yep. Okay, good. So basically, as I'm saying, 4N really is the key to it. So, next slide. Um, yeah, industrial demands for what we're doing, okay? Is massive. Um, auto demand for, for, for that, that, that's basically the entire $10 billion industry. Again, we're talking about the 3 million uh, metric ton uh, market is a market we can play in. We think we have competitive advantage, the entire segment of the market. So we can cherry pick to go to the highest value product. So, you know, we could make silicone for, for aluminum, for, um, for basically, you know, strengthening the car. Our technical advantage, we can take much cheaper raw material, not cheaper, basically much more, um, less pure raw material that nobody else can, can use. Basically material they use to do ferrocilicium and make, you know, one end silicone that they use there, or we can use a bit pure and make four end for other applications. So we have this great uh, variation. Uh, and we know that demand is gonna be driven by the two end. A for the silicone industry, and the second one for the polysilicon, solar, and electronic industry. And what we're realizing now is there's actually a demand for 4N silicon that is coming to fruition, that's coming to realization. Uh, you have you'll, you, micro sized silicone powders for battery application. When you talk to battery application, which is very funny because I've started to talk to a lot of battery guys, and it always comes down to the same one. They always mention we want low cost silicone, okay? In their mind, they're thinking metallurgic. But then at the same time, they ask, but we, we want 3N to 4N. And I have to tell them, guys, that doesn't exist. That product doesn't exist. When you get a 3N to 4N silicone that you get, you know, buy through Alibaba, it is junk from the solar industry that's been recycled down. You won't be able to have consistent quality, consistent material. The, other, the only other people that can make the 4N consistently are people out of the solar industry if they do use two, three step. They're still starting with the entire step and they add additional step. We, we, we do it in one step. So there's a micron size powders that some battery manufacturers are looking for right now to add, to combine that with, with graphite. That's one type of material. And then there's the nano powders for the next generation of silicone batteries. So we're, we're gonna be in a position to attract, to attack these two markets from two different point of views which all start with the same concept, which is we can make our own silicone better. So we're working on the two other technologies is really the, the nano reactor and the fume silicone reactor. Okay, what is our value proposition each week? Well, develop and monetize. This is why we have multiple verticalities. This is why the company is designed in multiple verticalities because 
Um, you know, we might have somebody that's interested, really interested in this section, but doesn't really care about that part of it. Okay, or we're going to have somebody that's really interested in this section, no, no, doesn't really care about the other one. So we are from the beginning structure so that we can we can divide the company, okay, to make it more valuable, or sell it out if it becomes more valuable. So what we do is we develop the technology. Okay? Our plan is not going to be as much as having, say, we want to license our technologies, but we want to be involved into monetizing every one of those technologies. We will see how it moves forward. That's why we say the next three years is going to be very, very exciting because during the next three years, we'll have the QRR system okay, working just for that $10 billion market. We have the solar market, which we could go back and take a look at how to do it metallurgically if we could do a material that has cost effectiveness. That's something you can look at. We have the nano silicone powders. I could put another third line into it. It's basically the micro-sized powder of the 4N coming into it. So there, it could be like within the QRR project, it could be multiple verticalities. So there's many ways for us to reach commercial, uh, uh, basically, you know, expansion group. So the key point is we develop technology. Okay? That's where we're non-revenue developed component company, but we have a good idea how we're going to monetize these systems, either through us becoming producer or us partnering up with people to become producer where we still maintain it because we bring in the technology, a significant control over, over what's going on. We shall see. So the future looks really, really exciting. Okay. As I said, we do have a lot of things in HPQ. So we're developing, as I, I keep saying this, we're developing game-changing technologies with pyrogenesis. So the first one I mentioned against the QRR, we go from quartz here to silicone. The nanoreactor takes our silicone, converts it into nanopowders for batteries. The fume silica starts again with quartz. We use plasma torch and we basically make those fume silica. And we have other downstream applications, which are we're going to be looking at developing silicone and nanomaterials for high value application outside of what the battery space and those issues are. So there are multiple ways to be using it. Let's go through why is our technology so game changing? Well, what are we competing? When I said the technology started in 1890, well, fundamentally it's the same thing. Presently, to make silicone, a conventional, a conventional plant, okay, can make between 98, which is 1N, to 99.5 SI. Okay, so it's 2N. Uh, these technologies are scalable by increment of 30,000 30, metric ton per year which require a minimal investment of around $200 million. That's before the inflation just came into it. So you, you have a market where demand is fluctuates, but your production capacity doesn't fluctuate. So you either start you know, new reactors, remove them. It's very difficult to adjust the market. This is why there's only a few big players playing into it. Um, and, and so, and you need, and, and the other key point, as I said, chemical solution, chemical silicone, chemical grade silicone, 2N plus, is where the growth of the market's coming. Traditional process, okay, about only 40% of their output is of 2N purity. If not, they have difficulties doing that. So, what that means is to meet the demand, my competitors have to take the decision decision of building a, a new plant where 60% of the material is going to be the lowest speed material, which sells for less, hoping that the, the on average, 40%. Now, right now, at $10,000 a metric ton, hey, everybody's happy, but everybody knows that that's not going to last forever, or it might last, but it may last longer than, than people want, want to think about it. Um, they can't take that material. They can't take that 2N material and sell it to batteries. Cannot. That's point bar. It's when they call it, when battery manufacturers talk about we want low cost silicone, they're talking three to four N purity. That's what they're looking for. Doesn't exist. Just removing that for their these processes, just removing an extra 0.5%. Percentage of, of impurities is very difficult, very time-consuming, very expensive. And I think an easy way to kind of conceptualize all this is these processes were created at a time long, long, long before anybody ever considered electric vehicle batteries and oh, yeah. the kind of purities that were required. So these guys, 
the the traditional process is adequate. I don't want to say great, but it's adequate for mm -hmm. traditional uses, mm -hmm. but just yeah. can't be adopted without a high degree of expense uh, and and disruption into new uses. Correct? Yes. And when I started in the silicone business when, five five years ago, and you would talk to the uh, the old timers and big companies. It was adamant. It says there's no market above 2N. So in their mind, there was no market. You took 2N, you meet, and in, if you need a higher value market, you turn into polysilicone. That was, that, that was a completely other market. So there was no market. That market that market now exists, but their technology can't deliver it. They can deliver, they can't do it. You know, they can add extra step. But every step you add costs more money. Second thing is. You need six ton of very, very pure raw material to make one ton of the finished product, all right? So you need six ton of ultra pure quartz. You need six, uh, well, you need six ton of raw material that's divided into ultra high purity quartz, low ash coal, and wood chips. Now, if George wanted to enter the conventional silicone industry right now, he would have a massive barrier entry. Not only would he need to find the knowledge, basically you end up basically stuck having to sign with a few companies that can build a system and they'll charge you an arm and a leg for it. And then you have the problem of how, where are you going to get your six ton, your, your low ash coal? There's only two mines in the world that do this. And one of them is controlled by the competitors. That's a very, that's another massive barrier to entry. So on average, the cost, okay, to make 98%, 5.53 material was about above $1,800 a metric ton. And the median was closer to between like 1500 maybe all the way to $2,500. That, that's where the cost range is. Our technology is just the best options for new plan coming forward. All right. Bar all everything else we talked about, just for that $10 billion market, our technology is going to be simply the best. That <laughs> sounds like simply the best. It's just on. Uh, why? Because even though we use a little bit more energy to do it, Okay, we need less raw material and we produce a higher purity finished product in one step. So, you know, we're talking about making 4N in one step, which is the preferred, which luck, luck will have it like this. That's the preferred purity of battery manufacturers. They like to have 4N. They can, you know, they can tolerate 3N, but they prefer to have 4N. Okay, we'll have it like this. We're not scalable by you know, 30,000 metric ton, which are scalable by size of 2,500 metric ton. What that means is our systems are reactors that we put in parallel one next to the other. Now, if you're trying to get social acceptability to build a smelter, it's not that easy as opposed to says, reactors in a plant. So if you look at what an HPQ silicone plant would look like from the outside, it looks look like any commercial building. That's it, you know, two-level building, that's it. Um, we do four step. We only need 4.5 tons of, 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 of feedstock to make one ton. Okay. And our other key advantage is we don't need a ultra pure. See, these process, the traditional process starts with very pure material to finish with a less pure end product. We start with a lower purity feedstock and we finish with a higher purity end product. Why is that? The key to our technology is that we're the only smeltering process that can operate continuously under vacuum. So we combine two processes that, that are known to work. We combine them together and we get, this is how we get such a high product material. That means because we only need four and a half tons, we don't need as pure material. Our internal numbers at this moment says it's going to cost us less than $1,400 to make four N material. Okay, Versus $1,800 to make two, uh, two N. One N. A one end versus eight, right versus eighteen hundred dollars on the traditional process to make one end. One so end. exactly. The cost differential is simply massive. Yeah, that's another way of saying the same thing. And that's five five three. Five five three is one end. Okay, that's ninety eight percent silicone. So what's five five three? Just uh... five 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 three is how we call it in the industry. It's a uh, five percent. Uh, Aluminum, five percent something else, and three percent five five three. So it's five, what's what's known as five five three. Okay, is ninety eight percent SI. That's just a, the that's just a generic term given. 
So if you look over, over the last year, okay, the real selling price, as I tell you, it fluctuates. Okay. But this is this is the cost of everybody on average, the aggregate cost, okay, to, to produce one end silicone is here. This is what we're talking. We're gonna be doing four in. Yeah, that, that's, that's a that's a ten billion dollar market. Just that market, okay. Just that market would be massive. But there's more. <laughs> but that's that's literally the insane truth. There is more. A the shortage has driven the price completely through the roof. U.S. silicone prices are trending up. Silicone spot price was at ten thousand dollars a metric ton at the end of December. That's completely insane. And that was even before the war started, which you have Russia and Ukraine were both big players in that industries. So you can have even more shortage. And as I said in my joke, there's more. There's a new emerging market. All those numbers I gave you, okay, the growth of the market did not take into consideration the future demand for silicone for batteries. Just didn't. So the new emerging market for silicone is going to be energy and battery sector. Preliminary thumb suck estimations, it's going to be 200,000 metric tons worth about 2.6 billion by 2030, which is almost tomorrow, growing at 50% year over year. That's insane. What's each but, and, but how many people can address that $2.6 billion market? That's really, that's exactly where it comes up. It's HPQ not as big as 10 billion. But that 2.6 billion is almost that, the entire that pool. Of that 2.6 billion is going to drive up that 10 billion dollar market because there's no other way. So it's like the 10 billion market is actually like lower. It's actually going to be bigger than what it is because this is a new market. So it's it's difficult to to put in the numbers of the overall market. So this is what it looks like. What's our HPQ unique advantage? Our capacity to make uh, capability to produce three to four n SI in one step. Where that's going to be one of our key. Then it's going to be our own internal cap capability to transform the silicone produce into the nano silicone material looking for. That's what we say when we said HPQ is strategic sil silicone solution in action. That's the way we think about it. That's the way we move forward. So this is this is what people have understanding. Like the fundamentals, the overall business, the macroeconomics of the business never look better. And finally, we're talking about a few days now before the plant starts. Okay. So, you know, the plant starting is plant starting, but still, you know, it's pretty cool to think about it. You know, it's talk about a perfect timing to, to, to end, to, to, to be able to showcase that technology. Okay. Because before I was showcasing basically a business plan, what we're going to be doing. Now I'm showcasing a technology with real application, real end results, real material. By the way, be, before you flip onto the next screen, the oh, if you just go back, yeah, uh, wait, wait, there you go. There, uh, looking at the index pricing, the the graph there, the mm -hmm. U.S. Uh, spot price there mm -hmm. is you know ballpark ten thousand dollars, but the EU spot price is looking about fifty five hundred. Is there a reason for such a big divergence between and and has that impact hpq or are you just going after the u.s market so you're not as concerned with the eu spot price but how do you have that big of a divergence if it if it's, a, it's five five thousand euros is about what it's going to be like six seven thousand dollars us still cost me fourteen hundred dollars to make so it's like and that's one end that's probably one end material price so it's just a question of where the feed feed demand coming in um maybe they, they got more product from from china at that moment um, and what also happens is a lot of those, those are spot prices. So spot prices will vary, okay, for shortages and everything else. Sure. But 90% of the industry is done on contract basis. So I was just listening to the uh, conference call of uh, Ferro Globe, and it says, oh, we're now coming around and renegotiating our contract. We're going to try to, to, to make our contract as short as possible So because they see the trend staying high for a long time. That's really a question of contract prices coming in and out, who's on and off, how they, 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 they play around. The key point that's important to realize is that we've now reached a price point which more than supports, you know, Technologies like ours. Well, we actually design our technology and make money at the price point. We're cheaper, <laughs> so we're in a good position. So I think it's going to fluctuate up and down. I don't put it as a hard core number, but those numbers didn't even take into consideration what happened in Ukraine and in, in, in Russia because right. with the sanction, there's, there's almost material. So, by the way, here just I, just a quick sidestep. Here we are in the middle of you know two thirds of the way through March. 
how have prices held up uh, for spot silicon? Are they still in this range? There's no market. <clears throat> the problem with silicone is it's, it's a tight market. So there's no really price market you see it, but you see from China and everything else. It seems to be holding up. Uh, I, uh, yeah. you know, the importance for me is to go listen to the my competitors, you know, presentation, get a good idea where the price is going. Eventually, we'll start paying. It's like you have to pay like you know a lot of money to, to, to get those pricing at that moment it's not that important for us for the long term of it uh, the key point for us is there's a spot market where we can you know sell our material well that's going to be once we have a full commercial plant but i think once once we take a clear decision to have a commercial plant at least for the beginning of our production we'll have pretty much our ideas where we're going to sell them and how to go uh after high value niches but that reality completely changes everything that you ever thought or heard about silicone for battery animals completely because that material price going through the roof is the feedstock for everybody else doing the same thing so and because the price was so low for so long a lot of people made the wrong um assumption long-term assumption they would think it would always stay cheap forever a lot of business a lot of business plans uh, got destroyed a lot, a lot of, of plans. A lot of spreadsheets out there that are deep in the red once they make the adjustment for that. Yeah, every, everybody's scratching their head and everything everything is moving. I was just talking to battery manufacturer telling me like the price of graphite has gone through the roof. So which the price of graphite going through the roof means that there's even more room for our nano silicone and our micro silicone product because we're always going to be we're always going to be judged in a parity to, to what graphite is. So that's the interesting part. So the key point is for, for the energy transition we want to do, we need to have batteries that are much more efficient, not last longer. You want a batteries where you can plug it in, do 500 kilometers, come back and just plug it back in. You want, you want that, that capacity into it. Um, and you need, and it has to be you know, cheap. You know, Tesla has just had to increase the price of their of their cars because the, car, the the price of their material coming into it. So there's going to be even more demand for silicone material coming into it, especially from from what we're doing. So why is silicone so important? Basically, for two reasons: it allows you to charge faster and it holds more more juice into it. Fundamentally, you can't have a far, fast charging batteries without silicone into it. Key point. So what HPQ is really doing is to produce at large scale, and that's what people have to understand. Okay. I'm not trying to be the first in the market. I am trying to be a large scale produce right. suppliers of a material that is going to be consistent. And that's the key part. Plus our key point, and it's been that philosophy since the beginning, we want to have price parity to graphite. Okay. So if graphite sells for 10, we might sell ours for 20 because you get three times better. That makes sense. Which up to 30, depending on how, how that plays around. But we have to be able to make money sufficiently, get a decent return on investment and everything else. And we do internal numbers. That, you know, we keep playing around. We do those type of spreadsheets and we're always very, very comfortable. Actually, they've actually become much better in the, in the last year. So what's our technology? Well, what we're developing is what the battery material needs. We know our technology. We take our battery-grade silicone, which is what we produce. We put it in our reactor, and we produce spherical silicone nanowires and nanopowders and nanowires, okay? But the key point is we know over time as we keep improving the technology, okay, we'll be able to make scalable nanopowders material in the sub-100 nanometers. That's not, we thought that'd be the hardest part, but that's for us is very easy to do. All the way to five, uh, five micron, micrometers, okay? And why is that important? Well, that's just that's just a sweet spot range that everybody's looking to do. The problem is if you're trying to do with traditional process, the micron size, you end up, you know, adding contamination to material. So you need a pure product to make it in. And the nano size is only one process that's known to work right now, but it's never going to be economically feasible. Like I, I have some of my um, scientists, an expert working for me, and they're, they're doing a review of all the technology out there. And it's very, very clear that the bulk of the technology right now being done to do nanomaterials of silicone are not going to be and ever going to be commercially scalable, just never going to be. And this is the reason why. This is literally the reason why. Right now, the bulk to make nano silicone, okay, 
they all use saline gas. What the heck is saline gas? Well, saline gas is a byproduct or it's a material you do when you do um, solar grade silicon metal. Now, it's used actually by some companies to do actually solar grade silicon metal through a process called fluidized bed reactor. But it's still a very, oops, still a, still a, still a very expensive product to do. And just this visualize what, what I'm talking about. So they have to use traditional process to make metallurgy grade silicon metal. Has to be basically dissolve in acid, good for the environment. Then you get a product called silicon tetrachloride. You have to add hydrogen into it. So you make tricyrosyrene, uh, which you then have to refine three times to get saline gas, okay? So, you know, the worldwide capacity to make saline gas to make nanopowders is what, maybe 10,000, 20,000 metric tons. If you need to build another plant to, to build another 10,000 metric tons, it's a billion dollar more investment. Just from this point here to there, okay? Don't believe me? Techno, okay? Their process to make... Um, Nano-silicon material. Yes, they do make nano-silicon material, but they use saline gas. They have, they're using what's called thermal plasma to do it. It's a different way of doing it, but they're starting, they're starting feedstock material is saline gas. Uh, the other process is CVD, group 14, Amprius, all those particular. So they start with saline gas. This is what we're offering to the industry. Bloody darn simple, eh? Our capacity to make 4N, we convert into nanopowders, it'll come into it. So our philosophy is from the beginning designed to meet the goal of making cost parity. Right? And what's really interesting is, well, we're located in Quebec, which is an emerging key hub for the battery supply chain. So much so that they invest in Quebec and their presentation where they're selling Quebec to there. They talked about us. But look at the other silicon people, Ferroglow, Alcan. Yeah, they're into it. They produce metallurgic. If they want, if they want to do solar material, if they want to do battery material, they got to do extra purification. Techno, just just mentioned, uses saline gas. HPQ is the only one that we've foreseen that has a technology that's developed to make low cost price parity with graphite. Okay, so this is what we're doing moving forward. So this is what's so exciting. And what makes us you know, strongly believe we can do this because we can make our own feedstock. We're not price dependent to the market. So that gives us much more flexibility to develop our technology, be patient and move forward. So key takeaway for this, right locations in Quebec, government support, we already have EQs and investors. Now we talk about fume silica. It's another one of those crazy technology we're moving forward. So another one of those big products, so what, about $3 billion a year market? Not a bad little market. The problem is, so basically, uh, it's one of those sandwich products that's used everywhere else. But its manufacturing process has so many Achilles heel, it's not going to, it's, it's sort of like limiting its growth in its application. So in 2021, HPQ signed an agreement with Pyrogenesis basically covering the development of brand new fume silica reactor technology. But that project is already at the, at the pilot plant phase. So we're building that pilot plant. So it's, it's a more advanced project. What's really exciting, what's really cool about it is that, you know, we have an agreement for a $2 million stated cost to build a pilot plant. The federal government's covering 33% of the cost. The Quebec government's covering 30%. We're covering 29% and Pyro's covering 8% acting as the operator. So it's another one of those technology and another verticalities that could be a standalone. Just when we started to talk about this, some of the big players in the industry started to approach us. Why? Well, once again, traditional fume silica process, the same thing, same raw material, silicone metal, okay? Same process, it dissolve in nitrate, you, you recreate the same silica titrochloride, you add H2 and oxygen, you burn it. And you have the fume silica, but you produce one of the most nastiest guys, hydrogen chloride gas, very bad for the environment. Our new process, directly from quartz. Quartz or fume silica reactor, uh, uh, fume silica reactor, fume silica. 
Plasma-based process allows a direct force diffusion silica transformation, okay? We eliminate hydrochlorine gas release. We cut down the energy, 86%, the energy requirement to doing it. So that's gonna give us a great uh, concept. Plus our, our feedstock is gonna be quartz. So it, you know our plant is gonna be not that expensive. We have CapEx, OpEx. This is another one of those. This could be a great standalone company by itself. You know, on the TSX Venture, a standalone company selling this, probably gonna have the same market cap as HPQ has right now. Uh, and we're looking at other uh, complementary uh, hydrogen venture. Um, you know, Swiss-based uh, EBH2, we're going to be working into it. Uh, there's some unfortunate event related to Ukraine that sort of slowed down the validation process. Um, but we think everything is going to be lined up. We'll be able to do it relatively quickly. But sometimes you don't control. And I hope in the coming two quarters, I'll be able to talk more about our um, hydrolysis nanosilicone ideas. So that's still in the pipeline, in the discussion, in the thinking. So that's, a, that's another area, additional area we're working on. This, this for me is the most exciting slide because we're an R&D company, we're a non-revenue company, okay? So it's very difficult to get very precise indication what we're doing, but I, found, I finally found a way to present where all we are, all what we're doing. So just take a look at the QR. We're finishing the commission. So once we started, we'll have a, like in the contract we, we in the contract we signed with Pyro. Okay, we gave ourselves twelve months to uh, finish the validation, of all the costs. We don't think it's going to take twelve months, but we gave ourselves twelve months leeway. So we're going to have this. So that's going to be very exciting. But as soon as we start producing four end material, okay. Then we're going to go and we're going to try to produce either uh, i'm already looking at um uh, uh, looking at finding tolling companies that can take our material grill it uh, mill it down to the size required by battery manufacturers and send it to battery manufacturers for them to use that silicone as a combining agent with graphite so that's already a pretty big market so that could be an interesting way for us to doing this and as soon as we have all the numbers there we're ready to, to go to build a new the first commercial size. So we will have those two markets. So we're going to, at the same time, we're also going to make the, the raw material for the silicon nitride company. So you see, there is a vision toward commercialization, but I think the value generation HPQ is going to be really, could be here. As I said, that's $10 billion standalone market. The nanoreactor. Well, we're finishing the Gen 1, okay? People have to understand, the reason why we call them Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3, it's not because I like the concept. It gives you an idea where we are on the, the technology readiness level, okay? Gen one is the beginning part. So during that, the, those phases, when we test everything, everything to work, um, we, we get that working. We should be finishing that, far, that, that part of the work uh, very, very soon. When that happens, we're gonna start building the gen two using everything that we've learned with the gen one. If we didn't do the gen one, okay? And that's sort of an interesting debate internally. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to share you something, George, is that at the original idea, we were thinking of going directly to, do, to building the Gen 2, the second standalone machine. And we decided, no, take an extra step, which has been very good because we've discovered a lot of the issues that we would have learned with a bigger machine. So now we'll have the Gen 2, we'll be able to do it. And our, and our thinking is once we sort of finish tweaking with the Gen 1, to start building Gen 2. We'll also, we will then finally use the Gen, the Gen 1 to start producing samples to send it because battery manufacturers don't need a lot of material to start off with as we get ready for the second mission. So this is, this is what I'm trying to show is that there's, there's going to be a lot of movement stuff. It's not because we're going to be building the Gen 2. There's going to be a, a, a phase where nothing's happening. We're still going to be using the Gen 1 to do more material, more testing, more development. So that's what I find very interesting. Fume silica? Well, we're building the plant right now. We're engineering, we're getting ready. Next year, we're restarting the same process here. And I already got people asking me for fume silica to, to, to be sent to end buyers. So this is already where we are. EBH2 technologies should be validated and developing all those things we're working on. So when we say develop and monetize, this is all the things that we're doing at the same time. Okay, we're not your grandma's company here. We have a lot of things moving forward at the same time. So, oh, progress summary. 
I know it's been long, boring, George. I see you fall asleep. Nope, not at all. I'm just trying to stay out of your way. I don't want anybody online complaining that I'm interrupting you. <laughs> not that we listen to them, but still. Uh, progress summary. We started this in 2015, okay? And since then, we've been in, in, implemented in HPQ, uh, in, uh, innovation-driven technology development strategy. That's what we are. We are in one of those innovation technology companies. But what we're doing, what we've done is we've gone from in 2015, where it's basically, you know, buy in the sky, business plan, sort of, it, it would make sense to do this, to where we are in 2022, we're going to have at least one pilot plan operational, a second one being built, a proof of commercial scalability pilot plan being, being built too. That's pretty much advanced, plus other projects that we have, because we sort of have a certain scale. So with Pyrogenesis, we're providing silicone materials for industry, batteries, and more. Cost-effective, I'm not going to re-explain everything, but what's also interesting is we're the only listed integ vertically integrated SI material provider in Canada and the U.S. There is Ferro Globe, there is Alchem, but there's, there's either massive companies, okay, us, and there's a ton of people with either quartz deposit or silicone ideas for batteries. Quartz deposits, sorry to say, they're not in the silicone business. They're just in the quartz mining business. Silicone adult companies, they buy their silicone. They'll be clients of mine. Developing green fume silica, and we're really working with ABH2. If that technology works, we'll have a green hydrogen solution also coming. So what are the upcoming catalysts? Well, we've got the start of the pilot plant, production of three to four NSI. Um, and then production of micron-sized silicone powders for our silicone nitrates for batteries. And that's going to be very exciting because that, that's a different niche of market is what we're looking for for, for the, the nano-silicone. On the nano-silicone, well, engineering construction of the Gen 2 and production of nano-silicone and ABH2, the second validation. So if you take a look at it, it's there are a lot of interesting catalysts coming online between now and the end of 2022. Uh, so that's the capital structure. Uh, key point is what? Well, we have key points. We have cash and cash equivalent, $8.5 million in the bank account. Okay. So that gives us the money of our ambition. Um, that's the key point. Uh, yeah, the other key point is, you know, we have EQ at 8.4, power at 8.7, management board 6.3, strategic investor at 10. No, well, we've, uh, we've put our money where our mouth is. There we go. So... Any question, comment? No, look, this is almost like a dry run for the, this is a dry run for the big- Oh, I see. I'm going to have to figure a way to cut it down on time. I'm, I'm going to have to cut it down on time. How much no, time? No, no, but take? look, the, I think the most important thing that comes out of this, Bernard, the most important thing that comes out of this is you guys uh, have delivered everything you said you'd deliver up until now. You still have more to deliver, but- Everything has moved along and progressed, and not on a perfect timeline. But I don't care who you are. There's <laughs> no research company. There's no R and D company. Even even hey, even Apple and Samsung have product delays, and they're full commercialized companies. So I think the the most important thing that comes out of this is everything has moved along at a really good pace, at a very and and now it's almost like you're knocking on you're knocking on two or three doors now, or you're getting ready to knock on two or three doors uh, imminently. You know the next few months next 24 months and that's what comes mm -hmm. across and that's that's great yeah and and, and it's not the excel spreadsheet of what the value is going to be from the sale that plays into it it's what's going to be the value of that technology okay and i think the value of the technology is going to be tremendous and the fact that we got a patent from the u.s government on the technology is a clear, clear demonstration that we know where we're going we're going forward well, do you see do you see a scenario, Bernard? And we're not, you know, I, I'm not asking you to project or make any predictions, but do you see a scenario where you're right? Because up until now, when shareholders think about the company, think about in terms of uh, how many potential clients or what potential revenues come from uh, capital from capturing a certain percentage of the market. Naturally, that's the way you look at things. But given where the multiple technology are, are the multiple technologies are right now. Do you see the potential where you just might have a much, much bigger company in the industry, either an end user uh, or a traditional out-of-date producer who says, we got to get our hands on that technology. We got to go make, we got to go make a, 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 
uh, a big offer for not the whole company, but either the whole company or parts of the company. Do you see that? Because you just said that a minute ago, it's the value of the technology necessarily, not the value of the revenues coming in. But I think you got both. Yeah, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. In the coming year, okay, the value of technology, and then it's going to be the value of the revenue stream that can come out of deploying those technologies. Um, yes, those could be scenarios. I would be very um, cautious about a legacy company being interested in our technology. I think they would be more interested in buying it just to put it to sleep because it's sort of a, it, it's, it's going to become sort of like a critical, almost like, you know, metaphysical event for them. As with regard to a bigger player in the, the battery space and, and those material or, or those areas and, and application, yes. Uh, as for your third scenario, I can definitely see that happening for the fume silica. Um, in the sense that, you know, uh, from the, the few conversation I've had with a few, some of the big players into this, uh, if our technology works as well as we think, that might that might be the one that moves the fastest because and, and because the silicone business is so big and there's so many different applications it's not the same thing fume silica there sure. like the, the fun part is the industry we're in there's only a few big players so there's not really small there's no really small nimble companies that are designed to go after niche market in the silicone business there's so many great niche applications we can go after Yeah, you're the small, nimble innovator that big companies like to look for. Now, we're not yes. saying anything. I don't think I'm just I'm just saying that as a general principle. I'm definitely yeah, trying to say yeah. that I don't think you are either. But look, we've always seen that technology. The small, mm -hmm. the smaller, nimble innovators are uh, get a lot of attention from the big behemoth uh, uh, incumbent. So a lot of the bottom line a lot of great possibilities uh uh yes. for hbq and we're now entering that exciting phase now that mm -hmm. said the next few months next between now and the next 24 months potentially a lot of a lot of things might be happening but uh yeah. any you know, that's all i want to say because i didn't want to interrupt you because you're you're making this presentation any last words that you want to uh, even though you cover the entire company uh any last words that you want to say to the shareholders um, you know, the, I think the company has never been in such a good position. It's sort of like silly that the markets for innovative technology companies like us has been getting, you know, poo-pooed on for the last 12 to 16 months, but it's not, it's not just HPQ. Um, and that's what I think is really the key point uh, to understand. Like I, I've done for the fun of it, I've done a, um, because, you know, the, the goalpost, which you judge yourself to, is the ARC Innovation Fund. So if you take a look at the share return of HPQ versus ARC Innovation Fund in a percentage, not in the dollar value, percentage-wise, uh, we follow their trend. We actually, like on a two-year basis, I think we've done better than they did in percentage-wise. And the last year, we've, we've done as bad as they've done. So when I see that the, the leading fund that is doing, what, that is basically packaging all non-revenue technology companies with game-changing concept is having as hard a struggle time uh, as we are, then you know it's not related to you. It's related to risk on, risk off, those issues. So as a company management, you stop listening to the noise uh, and you focus on what you have to do. What is it I have to do? Well, you know, get the QR working, get the nanoreactor working, get the fume silica working, get the hydrogen working, and the other project I'm working on. It's not as, it doesn't sound as sexy, but it's what's going to you know what's going to pay us the bread and butter. Ex that execution. And, 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 and with the QRR working, and now I mean with the COVID restriction removed, uh, it's going to be much more interesting to bring investors and come you know big big institutional investors come let's come and visit the plant. And now you know we are part of the Quebec story, the Canada story about uh, about everything. And as our material gets to be more known, it'll be more and more present. Thanks for making the presentation, Bernard. I mean, and again, I love this deck. Uh, and for everybody that's watching this at home, especially uh, you know all the current shareholders and the long loyal shareholders, uh, you can review it on your own. You can either you can either review the deck by watching this video, uh, or you can review it on your go on your own just by going to the HPQ website, popping it open there, 
and kind of taking your time to go through it. But uh, I love this deck. It's the best deck that you've had so far. Thank you. Uh, just one quick thing. Um, this last week, I know we sent a uh, mailing with that we had a new deck. But the version we used um, as one change into it, one extra slide into it, uh, we, it's updated on our website. So if you want to have the one we use here, it's like the one there's one image into is because I did not know until a um, loyal shareholder sent me the link to the uh, EQ presentation. So I thought it'd be good to add that into it. And it closed right. well the battery section. But the most updated version of the presentation is sitting it's on, on the, the deck. website, which is this version, by the way. Yeah, this version. Yeah, the one. We yeah. Use. And I think everyone should know that over time, the yeah. deck is probably going to go through some minor changes because you're constantly going to be updating it now. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if you weren't updating this deck every 30 to 45 days with new development. Well, I, th I, I think that the next big update is going to be the AGM where we get the uh, the change of business approval. That That's another thing that's advancing well. It's just tedious, bureaucratic, but there's a lot of tedious bureaucratic things that we're doing right now, which is a lovely part of the business. Thanks, Bernard. Appreciate it. And good luck when you make the presentations to the, uh, to the institutions, the roadshows. Thank you. Hey guys, this podcast is over. Don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform, so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Small Cap Podcast.